December of 1941, the Second World War had officially spilled across the Pacific and reached the U.S. Following the surprise attack on Pearl Harbor, the citizens of the U.S. were set on edge by the fear of a Japanese attack on the west coast of the U.S. mainland. Some would say that that fear was affirmed when a secret Japanese submarine surfaced and fired on the city of Elwood, California, on February 23, 1942. The very next night, the residents of Los Angeles were witness to what, some would say, was the first ever engagement of a UFO by human military forces. Following a night filled with air raid sirens, spotlights sweeping the night sky, and anti-aircraft fire from American ground forces, the US military was at a loss as to what had truly been seen that night. Two official reports were released. One implied that it was an enemy spy plane, the other claiming it was a weather balloon. Multiple witnesses reported that something had been caught in the spotlights above LA that night, something that had seemed unaffected as it weathered the formidable nighttime barrage. This case file, the theorists looked to the skies over La La Land for the Battle of LA. To Alien Theorists Theorizing Case File 92 Battle of LA. Ooh. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. Holy shit, we did it! <laughs> <laughs> 92 episodes, we did it. All names. We finally intro. got it. It only took the one, right- one member not being here. <laughs> the right case file number three three is the wow. perfect three wow. is the number it's a sacred wow. number it's the you know triangle guess, three sides yeah i don't know can't see you but yeah. life will find a way i guess right <laughs> <laughs> um oh i guess if you're listening to this uh, we're back from vegas <laughs> Even though when we're recording this, we haven't gone yet, but we're leaving. We had it. a really great time. Yeah, I'm sure we did. Yeah, I'm sure our future selves have a, just an awesome time, or we don't come back. Some, or nowhere. we are in a yeah. cell in Area 51. Yeah, and sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> so if this podcast has stopped transmitting, it's, uh, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't come back from Area 51, so it's over. Show was oh, over. It's been, a, it's been a good ride. Also, um, little. Quick, some plugs at the beginning of the tr- show, a little mix things up. If you're not already on our Patreon, get on it. We've got tons of good stuff on there. We are we almost got an entirely second podcast on there now. Starting. Yeah. ATT Confidential. It's for our Patreon only. Uh, there's some really good ones coming out that uh, me and Dan were really happy with. So we ventured down um, some Cold War conspiracies. Um, we talk about the human pickler. We do some... D&D on there. There's tons of stuff. So get on our Patreon. Get all that stuff. You're missing out. Why not? Also, go buy some merch from Public. We got a bunch of shirts on there. Just uploaded a new shirt. You down with OT- ATT? <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're down with ATT, I got some I'm down with ATT. Can you probe me shirts? 
So go ahead and get those. Uh, also, what was the other thing I was going to do? T-shirts. Oh, give us some five-star reviews. You know, we don't ask for much other than Patreon, you know, buy your T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> some five-star reviews, but... Well, Public's got more than more than T-shirts. They got stickers. They got mugs. They got all yeah. kinds of stuff. So if you want to have some ATT with your morning coffee, that rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that'd be cool. Ooh, maybe I'll make some cafe conspiracy uh, mugs. Ooh, that's a good idea. That is a good idea. Ah. Uh, okay, well, um, why don't we, anyone else, let's get some space news! Space news out of nowhere there. Um, I got a little bit here today. Saturn's biggest moon, Titan, may bake its own atmosphere. Mmm, tasty. Yeah. So Titan fascinates scientists because of its thick atmosphere, which is mostly made of nitrogen gas. And its liquid methane and ethane oceans, its atmosphere is thicker than Earth's. And it's only it's the only other solar system body with large amounts of liquid on its surface. So basically, what they're thinking is, is that organic material is essentially being baked. It's being cooked. And it's making the it's steaming up the atmosphere. That's why it's the bread people of Titan. Yeah. <laughs> so yeasty. The yeast people. <laughs> but, uh, so they're thinking that organic material is coming from comets and stuff, and it's getting uh, baked in their poison oceans and shit. And yeah, that's what caused it. But there's some, pic- I've seen some pictures now of like from when Cassini, I highly recommend check out Cassini's Titan flybys. Incredible. Stunning photos. Uh, what else do I got here? Anyone else before I jump into something else here? Mm-mm. Chinese companies One Space and iSpace are preparing for their first orbital launch. We talked about it before. They're the next two private space companies to reach low Earth orbit, uh, both from China. And they're pretty much putting up a 19-meter-tall four-stage rocket able to carry 200, 205 kilograms payload to LEO. So not a lot, but E L O, L E O. Let me down. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so, more more companies up there, making it cheaper. Is it one space and I space? Yep, two separate companies. I think they still. I think they probably stole each other's names. Like, oh, they're one space. They took ours. Yeah. <laughs> just put an I, I there. Those, just change those it. assholes. Just ours wasn't one. Well, we'll just call it I space now. <laughs> Um, NASA has a new plan to revive the Mars rover opportunity as time runs short. Um, NASA basically, so the opportunity rover, they, they haven't heard of it, heard from it since June 10th when there was a global dust storm on Mars. They figure that the dust has covered its solar arrays. So it's, not powering up. But NASA has developed new, more powerful collection of commands to try to force the long silent Opportunity rover to resume operations. Um, over the past seven months, they've tried to contact the rover 600 times, but the, they haven't heard back yet, and the probability that they will it decreases every day. So they're really hoping to uh, get a good sweep and beep out of it. Maybe it's ghosting them. Yeah, it's just like, give it up, give it up, NASA. Don't want to see you no more. Yeah, that motherfucker's gone. Yeah, 100 percent. Found a new man. <laughs> He's gone. Married. 
It's not going to be. It's not going to be. It's not going to send a signal till Elon gets up there and wipes it off. <laughs> um, done. <laughs> what else do I have here? More space news. Yeah, I got a little bit. There is a huge geomagnetic geomagnetic storm. Um, which means auroras. And it's gonna be it's gonna be for the next little while. So by the time you've heard this, you've probably missed all of them. <laughs> oh, so you're really but bringing it back to old days where you give days. space news I, that is I'd not relevant back, yeah. at all. Everybody loves nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, bring it back. Um, maybe I'll get some uh, pictures of it because it's gonna happen in the next five days. So, but yeah, if you want if you want some uh, aurora alerts, some real ones, uh, go to spaceweather.com. You can type Google aurora alerts, get them sent to your phone. I would only recommend doing that if you're in areas where you can see them because or else you're just being teased all the time. <laughs> Maybe you just need want to know when they're happening. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um the, the other isn't really uh isn't really space news, but it's I'll just say it anyways. CIA uploads millions of classified documents to its website including information on UFOs and psychic Powers. Psychic powers. I went through some of those. I actually went through some of those. They had the the Height 611 documents uh, from the one that we did. So this was just released? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, January Huge dump. Oh, cool. Huge document dump. It's a whole bunch. I started going through some of them, but most of them are, I don't know. They had one about psychic powers, but it wasn't that all that impressive. It was just kind of descriptions of stuff that they tried. And then... I mean, there's pro- there might be some gems in there. I don't know, but it would take a lot of people to go through all that information. But a, a lot of it is like non-substantial stuff. It's just like little emails and or not emails, but just like memos and stuff that just they're little communiques that don't really make any sense unless you knew what they were talking about. <laughs> it's cool though. It's super new. I wonder if there's stuff in there though. Interesting. It's, I got I got one other one, and in. The absolute dumbest space news you could probably hear. A Japanese firm is creating space fireworks with artificial meteors. How is that so dumb space news? That's amazing. Well, well, that wait. sounds great. <laughs> the small particles will be dropped from a microsatellite and burn up as they fall to Earth. This space entertainment could potentially be a disaster waiting to happen. Um, what if they don't? What if you just have you're like, holy shit, you just make a meteor shower of all these burning particles crushing people at festivals. Way too small. Big. Yeah, but way too small. Are they like the size of cars? I don't know. Hey, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> just um, flying space trash up and then just dropping it to burn it up. They launched the company launched its first uh satellite on board the Japanese space agency's JAXA Ellipse and Rocket on January 17th. So they're going to test it up. So, um, well, I mean, uh, how often can you send them up there, though? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem like a very feasible substitution no, it, it for fireworks. Like a sustainable <laughs> idea. <laughs> Let just, me tell you. Maybe once. This, Olympics. I think that if this was Shark Tank, I'd pass. I think it's just the feasibility is <laughs> too much. I'm out. What's your valuation? I don't know, but it's. <laughs> I don't think it's worth it. Definitely not. Because I'm like, I'm seeing a picture of what they hope it looks like, and I'm like, no, that's not what it's <laughs> going to look like. Because those are big meteors that come through that look like that. Like, I just don't think it's going to happen. 
That sucks. Just more space trash in the sky for people to get excited about when you think it's a UFO. It's just Japanese space fireworks. Some more Japanese (laughs) space trash. (laughs) All right. What? uh, Oh, sorry. You want to fire up the randomatron here? Yes, I do. Thinking at it right now. Fan submission. All right. This one, uh, this is a fan submission from Jake. Mm, should I drop his last name? His last name's on this, but I. Nah, he'll recognize Jake, us. you know who you're on. Yeah. You know <laughs> who you are. Hey, guys. Writing to you from the beautiful Great Falls, Montana, home to one of the most famous UFO encounters in the country. A UFO that caused shutdowns of U.S. intercontinental ballistic missile sites during the Cold War. Hashtag, look it up. What is it? Give me a... What am I supposed to look up? Just Montana UFO? Probably. It'll probably work, but... First off, awesome show. I've listened to everyone. I especially love anything government conspiracy. The Pizzagate episode was mind-blowing. I wanted to tell you about an experience I had working in the Midwest a few years back, just in case you wanted to do one of your listener call-in shows. I work for a large grain company in their country grain elevator group. (laughs) I traveled around every few years being asked to run different rail-loaded terminals across the Midwest. In 2013, I was asked to move to southwest Wisconsin to run a large rail terminal. To set the stage... This facility sits right off the Wisconsin River in a large clearing. Basically, a large grain elevator with a large field surrounding the back half of the property. At the edge of this field is a thick timber probably 100 yards from the closest part of the elevator. I transferred to the facility to replace a retiring manager who had been there since the place was first built. She was a very nice older lady and was very interested in the history of the Native Americans in the area. She told me that the grounds of the elevator were haunted because they had been built on some kind of Native American prayer ground. Ooh. She had gone as far as having a Native American medicine woman come out and bless the property and wander around with burning sage. Not being a real believer in ghosts and whatnot, I wrote this off as someone simply imagining things. It was not until a few months later that things started to get weird. It was during harvest, so we were running longer hours, particularly later into the evening. I had multiple employees report that right around dusk, they would get whiffs of a pipe smoke in the breeze. Being a grain elevator, due to the flammable nature of the grain dust, we are extremely sensitive to smoke and fire. On some of these reports, the smell would be so strong that we would shut down the operation to search for fire. On another instance, one of the office employees working after dark with the windows open said she heard chanting and music. She assumed it was me trying to scare her. Not only did I have nothing to do with the sound, but I did not hear it. Events like this went on and off for the duration of harvest, ultimately stopping when we hit winter because we would close around four in the afternoon. This, however, was only the beginning of the encounters. In the spring, we began an expansion project that would double the size of the plant. This involved disturbing more land 
around the current footprint of the building. At any given time, we had around 15 construction workers working in the plant 18 hours a day. These guys are welders, millwrights, iron workers, etc. Pretty burly dudes that don't get scared easily. From the beginning of the project, we fought all kinds of issues, always happening right at sunset. I had a millwright tell me that when he was bent over a piece of equipment with a grinding with a grinder prepping a weld, when out of nowhere the grinder sparked, shorted out and quit. As he started to pick his head up, he saw two feet traditional ornate moccasins standing right in front of him. It startled him, so he flipped his face shield off quickly and stood up. Nobody was there, and there was a, just a dead tool. So the, the welding piece. On another occasion, a welder was welding, and his rod exploded mid-weld. This is not to- totally unheard of, but for an experienced welder taking care of his equipment, it's pretty rare. When this rod popped, he looked up with his welding hood still down and clearly saw a silhouette of a fully adorned Native American chief standing arms folded two grain between two grain bins about 20 yards away. When he lifted the hood, the figure was gone. After this, the men would report seeing fleeting sightings of the same figure walking around at dusk. As soon as sunset hit, things would fall, tip over, quit working, and break. Nuts and bolts would fall 150 feet from platforms where no one, were, no one was working, always right at dusk and with the same figure present. After about a week of this, the guys were very shooken up. Most guys would try to take breaks and leave around sunset and only return after nightfall. A few weeks into the project, I was working in my office right around dusk, still not having experienced any of this firsthand, when the entire crew hastily jumped in their vehicles and took off. No cleanup, no signing out, just bolted. As I sat there trying to figure out what happened, originally thinking there was some kind of accident or emergency, I heard a distant drumbeat, a steady low drumbeat, and began to smell a faint but distinct scent of tobacco. I jumped in my car and made a quick pass through the elevator, didn't see anything, and headed home. In the morning, I was confronted by the foreman, who informed me that they would not be working past dusk any longer. He told me that the men had all heard the drumbeat that the evening before and looked out to see the edge of the timber line with hundreds of Native American warriors. The chief, seen so many times before, standing halfway between the line of warriors and the plant, arms open wide. Unlike the earlier sightings, these figures did not disappear. They stood there, unflinching, until the workers cleared out. A few guys tried to snap pictures, but none of the Native Americans appeared. From that point forward, construction only took place during the day with no more issues, but for years later, we still have issues in the plant at sunset, usually things like equipment unexpectedly shutting down or alarms sounding with nothing wrong. It was quite an experience and has left me a believer. Take it easy, boys. Keep up the good work, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Oh, it's, it's creepy. Ghost, man. The, Fucking ghost. Man, don't, don't mess uh, around with those Indian prayer grounds. Yeah, or na- like any kind of Native American burial ground. That's like the f- first rule of any horror movie. Yeah. An- anywhere where a bunch of dead people have like either died or been buried never seems to be a good spot. Hmm. I don't know. That's most of Rome. <laughs> so just built a, on top of something just, else. Europe's just haunted. <laughs> every, of- every city in Europe <laughs> is haunted because it's all built on the... Built on uh, death top and war. Was another city. Uh, well, eat. the battle over 
Los Angeles. From Montana to L.A. <laughs> what is it? So, <laughs> just a blimp? Let's go. Well, let's get into it. Let's let's uh, let's take it back though before this incident. I kind of want to go some. So we're three months after Pearl Harbor, I believe. Yes, three months after Pearl Harbor. So America's joined World War II. They're obviously rattled as a nation because of uh, the Pearl Harbor attacks. On February twenty third, there was a Japanese Navy attack or a submarine attack off the coast. It fired mortars into an oil field, missed a bunch of stuff, like peppered some old sheds. I think it was like 12 or 14 shells they fired. Some of them were duds. They barely hit anything. I think (laughs) uh, the total damages was like 500 bucks. 500 bucks. But the Japanese, and this is is all kind of plays into, we have to talk about this before we talk about the next day. So obviously... The you know the the Americans are alarms are raised right away, so they're they're out looking for the submarine. And meanwhile, the Japanese reported that they had like absolutely peppered the coastline, like devastated, yeah, devastating <laughs> destruction on the American coastline. When really it was like, they like basically up a dock they said they won bit. the war, yeah, <laughs> right there, right then and there. I wanted to say that because obviously, you know, like ah the fucking states are at a heightened sense of uh, alertness at that point, right? <laughs> so we're on high alert. High alert. So let's move on to February 24th, 1942. Uh, Dan, you want to start us off? So the Battle of LA is, is really um, the first case that you had where American forces or any military, any earth military for that reason, actually engaged a UFO. So uh, I guess I can give you a timeline uh, of what it was. So the morning of, I mean, the night of and the morning, the night of February 24th, the night of February 25th or morning of whatever we want to put it at 1.44 in the morning uh, on February 25th. Radar in the vicinity of L.A. detected an object in the direction of Santa Maria. So that's about like that's northeast from L.A. I think northwest, northwest from L.A. So at 2 a.m. they pick it back up. The target is within 120 miles of L.A. So it's moving towards L.A. And at this point, they've picked it up on three different radars. They've got two long range and like one short range to confirm that they do have something on the radar. At 2.06 to 2.27, the target is tracked to within three miles of L.A. At 2.15, all the AA gun crews uh, that have been put on alert, A, uh, gun emplacements have been placed around the area because everybody was afraid of Japanese attacks. We had no real idea of what the Japanese were capable of. We weren't we knew we weren't prepared, but it was the best thing they could think of was to set up all these these watch stations and set up all these AA gun emplacements around the major cities. So they put all the AA gun crews on alert. They hadn't identified exactly what was heading in or what they had on radar. So they're all just keeping their eyes out. So at about 225, they ordered a red signal, a blackout. And and uh, they, the air 
at that time too, the air raid sirens hit. Right. So that I I could only imagine that'd be the fucking most terrifying thing ever. Like you know what these things are, and all of a sudden you're like walking the streets and you're like, oh, we're fucked. Yeah. Um, they, they had been having drills, the people in the areas that, uh, were affected by the air raid drills or where they thought would be probable targets for a Japanese attack had been practicing these air raid drills and they had been practicing for blackouts and things like that. So, cause if you have an enemy attacking from the air, you black out everything so they can't identify their targets, or at least it makes it a bit more difficult for them to find where the city center is or to orient, uh, where to drop their bombs. So at 2.25, whole city shut down. So, I mean, blackout is everything. That's yeah. all street lights, all, you know, house, everything, cities. Just, and you just shut everything I'm assuming out. they do that because then it's hard for enemy to, like, locate, uh, like, high-value targets. Right, right, exactly. And then at 2.27, about two minutes later, they ordered radio silence. So there's no communication going on after that point. And then at 2.32, all AA gun crews got the green signal and they were ready to open fire. Yeah, essentially what that means is like if they see something in the sky, fucking shoot it. Right. And so with all the AA gun crews on high alert, um, observers first heard firing starting at about 3 a.m. and it continued until about 3.30. So you had... Gun crews expending, they said somewhere in the ra- somewhere in the range of, I think, 1,400 to 1,450, somewhere in there. I've heard anything as low as 1,300 and as high as 1,600 while doing the research for this. So Yeah, I, I would so say somewhere around. in that range of arounds, but a lot. They shot a lot. 50 cals, 12-pound AA cannons, everything. They were throwing everything up there that they could at what they perceived as an object in the air. So gotta be f- after all this happened, they they tracked they managed there's a really famous picture. They a lot of pictures were taken, a lot of uh news broadcasts were made, and the they have the famous picture of an object which seems to be caught uh within the the crosshairs of the lights in the Battle of LA. And that's the famous picture that you see when you look up the Battle of LA, you see it. And it seems to be some sort of object caught in the uh, caught in the lights uh, that they were using at the time. Yeah, it's a crazy, it's a really cool yeah. looking picture. Right. And yeah. so they threw everything at that they could at this thing. And if there was something up there, it would have been shredded. Any plane of the day uh, that would have been up there in the air probably would have just been blown to pieces. But some of even the CBS news broadcast that was uh, that was reported the next day, uh, they reported that they saw the shells hitting the object, but not not necessarily doing any damage. So that was that's from there what what they the information that they put together for a news broadcast, and they said that would that some sort of unidentified object uh, was being tracked by the U.S. Army as it flew over, uh, flew and. And hovered at some points, or seemed to hover, uh, was taking no damage from any of this, or didn't seem to be affected at all. Uh, Trajectory didn't really seem affected, nothing, not speed. It just went through the skies, 
took everything that the anti-aircraft batteries are firing at it, just kept going. So this glowing UFO in searchlights just took about 1,400 shells, and there was no like there was no wreckage found of anything, right? Right. They didn't find anything. The only stuff that people ended up picking off the ground were pieces of shrapnel and like some shells that fell from the from the air because whatever goes up has to come down. So, I mean, they showed damage from like the, the shells and the shrapnel from the AA uh, shells and rounds like caused damage in the city. And it probably actually caused more damage than the Japanese sub caused the couple <laughs> days before. Um because you saw, you saw people's had like holes in their cars, broken windows, all kinds and, of crazy. And six people died. Mm-hmm. In the result, there were two heart attacks, uh, a car accident, and then I I can't remember how the other people yeah. died. Nobody but. died from like the shrapnel, like as a direct result of any of that stuff. But yeah, like Braden said, there's there were I think three car accidents, people trying to drive in a blackout, which is not a great idea. Um and then there were two and then there were two heart attack victims that died just because of the stress of the air raids and just I can't imagine what it is like oh my thinking God. that you're <laughs> getting bombed. So you know? the same day, the same day, like later that morning, uh, Secretary of Navy Frank Knox held a presser, a big press conference, and he stated there was a hey, this was a big false alarm. There was no aircrafts. It was just uh the whole case was, you know, it was a very expensive case of jittery nerves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Secretary of War Henry, Henry Stimson said that, oh, we saw like 15 spy planes up there. That's yeah. what made us fire off all those rounds. So Chief of Staff George Marshall wrote a, mem- a memo to President Roosevelt. And he basically, he, the memorandum said this. Uh, and I quote, the following is the information we have from, I think it's C, sorry, it's a little bit uh, bad quality, CHQ at this moment regarding the air alarms over Los Angeles of yesterday morning. From details available at this hour, one, unidentified airplanes other than American Army or Navy planes were probably over Los Angeles and were fired on by elements of the 37th CA Brigade. Uh, between 3.12 and 4.15 a.m. These units expended 1,430 rounds of ammunition. Two, as many as 15 airplanes may have been involved, flying at various speeds from what is officially reported as being very slow to as much as 200 miles per hour and at elevations from 9,000 to 18,000 feet. Three, no bombs were dropped. Four, no casualties among our troops. Five, no planes were shot down. Six, no American array or Navy planes were in action. Investigation continuing. It seems reasonable to conclude that if unidentified airplanes were involved, they may have been from commercial sources operated by enemy agents for the purpose of spreading alarm, disclosing location of anti-aircraft positions, and slowing production through blackout. Such conclusion is supported by varying speed of operation and the fact that no bombs were dropped. So that's Army Chief of Staff General George Marshall. Hey, that's but there was no aircraft found. So if it was commercial aircraft being flown by some type of suicide pilot, I'm guessing. Yeah. No one got shot be down. Wreckage. There'd yeah, be wreckage. Right. Yeah. A- another important point that you take away from it is that the Army had no planes in the air at the time. 
they had made a decision uh, at the time that when this thing was identified, you think they would scramble fighters or things like that. But they had assumed that if this were an attack, this would have been some sort of reconnaissance craft. And after the reconnaissance craft left, then they would send in the main force. So they decided that it would have been better to keep their air air power back, keep all their planes on the ground until they knew exactly what was doing. Because if you had planes up in the air already and then the main force showed up, your pilots would be half out of gas by the time they got there. Well, and the other thing in a dark, in a blackout, I, you know, and you have that much kind of artillery on the ground. I don't know if you would want your planes in the air too. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, true. You kind of have to do one (laughs) or the other. It's either you're sending your airplanes at their airplanes but if it's a bombing run, they're probably going to be too late and your city's going to get peppered a bit. Or you're doing the anti-aircraft guns, but then you got to keep your fucking planes out of there. Exactly. So there were no there were no planes on the ground. There were no reports, no official reports of any military planes being up in the air at that time. Mm. So we got multiple different reports. At first, they think it was just one object, but then some reports saying it's up to 15. Yeah. What uh? What what's your thoughts? How many were there? What do you think? Well, is, one, is we it just can, one? Or? So basically, they come out and do a presser, and they say, "Hey, hey, like you know what? Everyone, calm down. We're a little fucking, we're a little on edge. We were just shooting at nothing, right? That's the official story." So then, they start getting reports from thousands and thousands and thousands of people being like, "But we saw something." We we saw something in the sky. Like we saw, we don't know what it is, but we saw something. So this forced the government to ch- essentially change their story. And this is the first, the first instant that the government uses weather balloons as an excuse. So then the official story changes that it was a weather balloon that they were firing at. Yeah, but didn't that, wasn't that years after that they said that? I thought it was right after, pretty soon after. Okay. Well, either way, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the United States Coast Artillery Association identified it as a meteor, like meteorological balloon. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little stone before the podcast, boys. But pretty much one balloon, the story changes to one balloon started all the firing. And then the like when you start, like all the explosions started, started going off in the sky. People thought like that was enemy aircraft, so they're just firing at like firing at themselves. Pretty much is the what the story changed to. Yeah, but, but that doesn't make any sense if, so, if people so are actually seeing stuff. Let's let's go through the things now. So if it was a balloon, let me tell you something. That balloon would have been fucking destroyed. Oh yeah, destroyed. There's no way it would have like they would you would it would have been you wouldn't fire at a balloon for forty five minutes. It, it would have dropped. And if you think like it would have been obliterated, not completely, but it's like that thing would have dropped pretty quick. The, the weather balloons they had back then were made of mostly, what was it like? They're made of cotton with like a rubberized paint like put on the outside. And if you have like red hot shrapnel uh, pelting these weather balloons, they're not built for that kind of stuff. They would have went right through it and that thing would have sank. Like as rock, just it's, and then you, it would have been sitting in somebody's front yard in their tree or something. Like they would have picked it balloon. up. Balloon, it's in the name. Yeah, and even those those weather balloons, weather balloons usually carried uh, like radio transponders, right? And they, and they, yeah, you would have been they would have been able to go pick it up, and it went 
like I said, it would have ended up on somebody's house or on their car. <laughs> Somebody would have found it. Well, it probably would have ended up in the water. Was it? Didn't it come from, it came from over the water? Or were they shooting right above the city the whole time? They were shooting above a city. Like, above they were the shooting city, above yeah. a town. So the other problem with that is they picked it up on radar before, and they picked it up moving. Like, you know, if it's windy enough, but I don't think a balloon's going to be moving that good. Yeah, they gave estimates between... it. There were at points where they, they described its movement as sometimes it was too slow to be a plane and it was almost looked like it was hovering. And then other people said it was traveling somewhere between like at 200 miles per hour. Crazy. Balloons don't do that. No. <laughs> you don't see balloons do that. So I think like a balloon is, it's, it's just funny. That's the first time they use that. And they use mm-hmm. that excuse famously a few years later in Roswell. Yeah. Right. So I just... They probably figured it played well at that point. Like they're like, "Well, we did, well, we did it back then." Remember when we <laughs> shot fourteen hundred uh, shells at that uh, fucking balloon? Let's say that we did that again. No big deal. <laughs> exactly. So balloons, ridiculous. Now I had also read that people they were actively trying to figure out if a blimp had got loose from somewhere, like the fucking Goodyear blimp or something, <laughs> had become untethered and was just floating. <laughs> But at the same thing, like, man, if if blimp, if 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 you're telling me a blimp can withstand even one anti-aircraft shell, why are we flying? Why are we flying planes? <laughs> right? We should be in blimps, hundred percent. That is bogus. There's not a chance. Yeah, yeah there's, a, it's, there's, a blimp. I, there's no way they would have been hammering it with anti-aircraft. It's not. It's not a battlefield one blimp. It takes forever to put down. It's a regular. They're made of like what, like a little bit of metal, like thin metal, and under, with a balloon under it. Like high, high. I would say oh. highly explosive too. Right. It yeah. would be a fucking show when mm-hmm. you started peppering that thing. Oh yeah, because that, and, that and was like a common. It's just a matter of speed. Like it doesn't. The way that it moved, it was moving way too fast to be a bl- blimps are slow as shit. Like they're so slow. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to go even deeper. Been, than, in order to say it was a like a blimp or a balloon, you'd have to like go into the weather and like was the wind even blowing the right way for it to be coming that way? Is he gonna have a balloon? <laughs> How it, have a, there's no wind that that moves something at like a hundred miles per hour. No, and there's the alleged path takes it inland, like swings it north, swings it around, and then swings it back out to the ocean. Yeah. Like it, you it can look up the direction, flight path like, of what this is, and it changes direction. It, yeah, it's like an intelligent flight path. It's not something that like a balloon just like comes all the way over the city and then decides to make a U-turn and then go all the way back. I Meanwhile, just... getting peppered by <laughs> fucking yeah. anti-artillery hundreds and shells, hundreds of shells the whole time. Absolutely not. Absolutely just terrible. Not Can't be a, a blimp or a balloon. Just doesn't make sense. D- doesn't make it, sense It can't really be all. a commercial aircraft because at times it was it was going too slow. There's no wreckage. There's no wreckage. No, and that, there's you, no you wreckage can... of anything. Right. I mean, people described, uh, multiple witnesses described that the shells were hitting it. Like so they were hitting it and doing no damage. And that, I mean, the best proof is that that's the CBS report. That, that radio report is probably the best thing that we have in terms of like information. Plus the photo, which we'll talk about. We can talk about in let's, a second. Let's talk about but, the CBS report a little bit. Right. What was that? What was that about again? Huh? That's the that was the actual radio 
report that they gave the next day from CBS Los Angeles uh, that to CBS New York. They said that there was an unidentified object had gone over the area of the Los Angeles. They say Los Angeles. Angeles. Los, <laughs> Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Uh, Los Angeles. I'm gonna start calling it that. <laughs> hey boys, we're go- we're going to Los. Come to AlienCon, Los Angeles. Los we're Angeles. Go- we're gonna be going to Los Angeles this year. But like a straight up report, just outlining the events that there was an right. object they, that it was. They peppered. had reporters out there gather information, get witness testimonies, and come in, and they put together a report, and they said there is definitely something up there, and it was getting hit with the shells and was not causing any damage and didn't seem to be affecting it. So, let's um, the other quick thing I want to touch on before we get into the photo is the other theory is that they weren't shooting at anything; it was just panic. And everyone was just firing wildly, right? Well, I think that's horseshit because you can look up pictures of, like, there's the one famous picture of them. All the spotlights are on a target. They're all converging, right? But there's other pictures where you see these spotlights actively, they're actively all over the place, look searching. Yeah. Right? So it's like, for you to say that there was absolutely nothing, there's nothing, they wouldn't all converge like that. So, they see something. Like someone yeah. sees something in one of those lights that alerts the other people controlling the lights. Yeah, they right. all, yeah, they all so they, they locked on to something. They saw it and they all the lights locked under it. Because yeah, there's a bunch of other pictures besides the, the famous one of Earlier, the lights. Before they start yeah. shooting. Yeah, and there's the just lights, lights everywhere. Crisscrossing, yeah, just going all over the place looking for something. And then they all those lights converge. It was like five or six lights, like converging on one object. So I think if they were honestly firing at nothing, I don't think we would have this picture. I think we'd have pictures like the other ones you see, where you just see lights kind of every which way, no rhyme or reason. Yeah, not all on a at a like converging on a single point. Yeah. So I I think to say there is nothing there is ludicrous from the photographic evidence we have. Yeah, right. In the picture too, the, you can see like rounds exploding above it and around it. Yeah. So they're, I they're mean, shooting the, that the direction The rounds too. would explode. The rounds would explode anyway, but I think the best the best evidence that something is actually there is there's like a grouping of four uh, three or four rounds that all explode together. Yeah. And it looks like it's either in it's probably in front of the craft or on uh, we don't know exactly where it is, but there's four of them like just grouped together. All the other ones are kind of different points of light like around it, but you mm-hmm. see like four three or four like like they're a nice little group. And it's like now, so that looks like they're hitting something. That to me looks like they're actually hitting something. Well, and the other thing is too you can Let's talk about this photo now. There's a great, there's a great lecture by David Marler. We all, uh, I don't sure if Zell watched, but me and Dan uh, watched it. We'll post a link somewhere, but you can, I'm sure you can type it in David Marler Battle of L.A. UFO incident, and he has one of the like original Associated Press. Right, like, he, he has the, the original photo. He has the original photo. Yeah, um, that he got from. <laughs> it's, he's, it's a fun story. Uh, that he got the actual photo, the original photo from eBay, from a person who <laughs> found it at a yard sale. Uh, all the other, he has the original photo. Most of the photos that you'll see online are actually retouched. Yeah, and they were they were edited to 
like I, they're not like Photoshop because they didn't have Photoshop back then, but they kind of messed with the lighting and the contrast a bit to kind of make the lights look a little better to make it print better in the newspaper. Yeah. And it was a common practice back then. But Still is. The original one is a little it's bit like, different. It's like putting a filter on a picture. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's the same picture. But, just looks a little, a little better. Right. But I think that picture is some of the best evidence that there's something there because it shows in his original picture, everything, the light isn't as bright and you can see in that light, in the picture, when you're looking at it to the right, you can see other beams that are going off, but they're not directly lined up. So it's, it's like they're actually, if you follow the light, it's like it's bending off an object, like it's hitting something yeah, and bending. Reflecting, yeah. And yeah. then there's some there's some lights where the light doesn't go through. So it's 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 what that says in the picture is that it's the light's hitting something and not continuing. So there's not light where you would expect light if there's nothing. And you can only right. see that in the original photo, like in the original negative, when you start playing with that negative. And you can start to see, like in that bright cluster where they're all pointed on, there is a cluster of explosions and they're bright. But when right. he when you dim it, you can see an outline of what I can only describe as a, a disc object. Right. the The photos that are retouched, they kind of they, they kind of do a bad job at like outlining the the ship because when you see some of the explosions that are going on, they kind of merge into the top, so that gives it a lot of people would say like, "Oh, it looks like your classic UFO. It's got the little turret on the top, and it's got the little oval shape." But that oh, that little turret on the top is just another batch of explosions yeah. from the AA guns. Uh, in the original photo, you can actually see something that it's it's you can't you can determine the the density of light is better. Like you can tell what looks like an actual explosion from the AA guns, and then there's something else in there that, like Brayden says, it looks like a disc or an oval. Yeah, like whatever it is, it's probably, it's reflective, right? It's, yeah, it's not a, or even even reflective, but even uh, adaptive camouflage, any kind of thing like that. Because even if you shine a light at something that has adaptive camouflage, like that light, it would still kind of cast a shadow unless it's completely bending the light around it. Right. So I don't, I don't know if it even, it's, it's not invisible, but it, for all intensive purposes, it is. You just you shine that light on it; it might just be really reflective. It makes me think of the um, that ship in uh, Flight of the Navigator. You guys, you ever watch that movie? No. Flight of the so Navigator. Is it Ben Savage? Can't remember. But the, it's got like a ship that's just like a big silvery oval, and it kind of changes shape, but it always stays like it has like a really reflective surface, and then it can kind of change into whatever. It's like the James Bond car, you know? It, okay. It just, reflects what's around it and so it is kind of invisible but then if you shine a light on it it might still cast a shadow hmm. so it's aliens oh dude 100 <laughs> percent. well man we talked we talked about this before this this is a height the height of great conflict in the world that we've never seen before we're starting at have have we started to develop nuclear weapons in 1942? No. Uh, I, I'm sure research has begun on it. I don't, I don't think we started the Manhattan Project till later. Well, I'm sure, well, like research on research, yeah, like, like the they, atoms. They've got to have there. something. They just don't know the full benefits of 
or like not bad offense. I mean, nuclear experience. testing hadn't started yet, so I think that would be like the trigger for a, uh, like an extraterrestrial. But even like, oh. e- even like this point of great conflict, then we're see- like we're oh, yeah. seeing some sort of like you wouldn't convert the. Li- I'm just saying like that. This photo to me is the best evidence that there's 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 something there, like. If you were like, if you look at like one of those movie lights, you know what I mean? Like sometimes they have them out when they open a new theater, or like the big spotlight. Yeah. You wouldn't just converge all those lights on nothing. You can see, like you can see if a light is on something. That's what a light does. Yeah. So the fact that they're all pointing at an object and you're like, ah, they were shooting at nothing. You're like, no motherfucker. They're all pointing at the same thing. And light isn't, isn't going past an object. That's how light works. Yeah, there's something in there, and you look at the pictures, and you and they're definitely not. You know, it, it's just looking at the evidence of like the whole situation. It's like you have witnesses, you have radar. The, the thing showed up on radar. There was something there, and and skeptics will point to um, the fact that uh, American radar back then, the radars we were using were like first gen radars, and they yeah. weren't great, and they had the actual West Coast defense capabilities had been assessed uh, by like Army Command, and they were like they felt that they were inadequate, and that the radar that they were using was really old, and it, it had some weird quirks to it, and sometimes it would it, it might show false like false signals and stuff like that. But even then, it's like three different radars confirmed something was there. Like they didn't just pick it up on one radar. There were three different ones. There were two long range ones and one short range one, and they all showed something in the, the same position moving. Yeah, I'm, you have that. Something was there. Has to be. Something was there. And yeah. I mean, California, that area of California does have a history of UFOs. I mean, as late as 2004, uh, we still had Navy pilots. Uh, encountering mysterious aircraft over there. Well, there is a video of at least one. There's an alleged U USO base over there too. People always see like you all hear accounts or claims of like UFOs leaving the water, like entering Mm -hmm. or leaving the water in that area. Yeah. That's a thing. It's been going on for a long time in the same area. So I I don't know. I don't know if this was the first, this is obviously the first mass like encounter where thousands of people seen it. But it, kind of- it was the first real time. I mean, I've heard of reports of UFOs being over Los Angeles as early as the or being identified over Los Angeles. But they couldn't tell what it is since the late 1800s. Well, yeah, so, there's accounts of UFOs throughout all human history as well. So but, but I think the point I'm trying to make is like that area, like California is a hot spot. Yeah, like that is a place that you would that UFOs have turned up for consistently uh, throughout history. And well, whether there's something weird about it, you know, it's, it just goes to show that it's like, it, it, there's more chance of it being a UFO than anything else. That goes with the theory that, as Braden said, in times like in this great conflict of human conflict, if like ETs have been, or like UFOs have been witnessed for like all of recorded history pretty much, Right. So right. if these ETs ETs have been like monitoring our civilization or like they're inter like one of the theories is they're interdimensional and what happens in our like existence like ripples through into theirs. So if we start like blowing each other up and killing people, 
Like that's one of the theories that it actually affects them. So that's why they keep like that's why they're here, kind of, I guess. So the, right. the theory with like mass conflict, if that's going on, they're here like kind of monitoring because we're killing ourselves in the millions, right? Tens of millions over a short period of time. So I don't know. For me, this UFO is one of the coolest pieces of evidence of like an ET presence. Well, the the best part too is like after getting, you know, peppering it with, with shells and whatnot, all reports say it just kind of drifts leisurely uh, to toward Long Beach and then vanishes from view over the ocean. And most reports yeah. describe it as pale orange in color, and some say it was glowing a little bit. And so just weird. like just leisurely, just drifts, right? So that's something like check checking it out, right? Yeah, yeah. I think my kind of theory is that at this point in human history, we hadn't had radar for very long. Um, like there had been radars, kind of experiments with radars since like the 1920s, but we hadn't really been using it like all over the country to to in like a focused way. Like uh, the the basic radar that the U.S. Army used uh, didn't enter service until the 1940s. So my theory is that perhaps this was the first time that we started actually picking these things up on radar because they picked it up on radar first. If they wouldn't have picked it up on radar, they wouldn't have seen it. They wouldn't have known it's coming. They wouldn't have known it's coming. And perhaps the extraterrestrials hadn't really... If they were extraterrestrials, they didn't really consider us having radar. Maybe they thought we were too primitive for it or they didn't know that we had it in development. And it was the fact that they were just flying too low and they didn't really consider it as a threat. And or it can't it can't be a weather balloon because didn't you say weather balloons? Most of them have beacons, beacons so they'd pop up on radar. Yeah. Some of them have trans radio transponders because they don't. Some of them don't show up on radar. Um, small. But because this one does the- and then doesn't whatever it is. Yeah. It shows it shows up, disappears, shows up closer, disappears, shows up closer. Right. So if if it were a weather balloon, it would have had to either go in below radar, uh, like the radar range, like the radar ceiling, like the radar floor. It would have had to either go below and then go back up or it had to go above and then come back down, um, which is not like that doesn't that sounds nuts <laughs> to me. That's um, ridiculous. I think it's. I mean, I I would put weight behind mine to be like, they didn't know we had radar or they didn't think about it. And then they were just like, you know, once they they realized that, oh, wait, they're shooting at us. (laughs) Let's get out of here. Not that they weren't worried about it, but they were more worried about like interfering. You know, maybe it's their prime directive not to. Yeah, prime directive. (laughs) Yeah. They can't interfere, or they just thought it was a bad idea. It was just a, it's better for us just to get out of here um, than do anything because it didn't cause any damage and it didn't do anything. And it's just kind of, you know, they just didn't think like, what they could see us. Ah! <laughs> mm. I think I I kind of like that idea. The fact that we're maybe we just developed a little bit faster than they thought we were, or they didn't know that we had radar. Yeah, could 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 very well be. I'm here to check I mean, it maybe out. they had been flying over that area for the longest time and just never been detected. And then this was the first time we really picked stuff up on radar and was just like, oh, 
Oh, you think of monkeys? You think if they're monkeys flying, have gotten pretty far. You think if they've been flying here before, they would know that we could see, so they would try and stay like out of sight range. But they're pretty low, right? But but like Brain was saying, like when you look at the picture, you see an object outline, but you don't see like a clear object. It's not like something that looks like it's solid. So you could. Like, I would think that it has some sort of maybe cloaking device or some sort of adaptive uh, camouflage technology to kind of keep it invisible more or less. Right. Uh, unless it's doing something. And then, th- but the radar picked it up. Like the radar can't, the radar picks up stuff because it, the radio comes back. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if they worry about stealth technology or something like that. I don't think they would implement it into their ships because stealth technology is kind of, it's expensive and it's just like why would you have that if your if your ship could you know they'd have better technology to to, to deal with that yeah i could get on board with that they just that, wouldn't think about it yeah they're just the spotlights are just randomly searching and then you don't necessarily see that but yeah it just reflects the light and then they all converge right like yeah. they like they get a they yeah the like the light bends like you hit it, it and then you can see it hitting something the light bends you're like you would know you're on something right yeah Hey. So like the radar like told them in the general area where it was. So then they started shooting and then they started seeing that they hit something. And then all of the guns, either all the tracer rounds that they all put them on that one spot. Plus they put all the lights on that spot and they couldn't exactly see what they were hitting, but they could see that they were hitting something. Something. Yeah. I could get yeah. on board with, I could get on board with that hundred yeah, percent. But to say there was nothing there is absolutely ludicrous. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think you could say that there was nothing. Like you just look at the evidence of that one. The evidence all points to that there was there was something there. They were shooting mm-hmm. at something. They were hitting something. I mean, you don't just fire fourteen hundred rounds randomly at a single point in the sky. Yeah, for thirty minutes, like you don't pound away at something for thirty minutes, realize you're, you're not hitting anything, and be like, and "All right, shit, like, <laughs> whoops." Especially, at, it's just the radar. The radar picked up an object. It was one object, not a multiple object. So it's not like a, a 15 planes or whatever, but they picked up one object. So I would think that you wouldn't just go pounding away at just nothing in the air. Like we're not hitting anything. Cause and it's, it's cool. Cause if you go with the theory that like they came here to check us out cause we're destroying ourselves, this was 1943. And then later, like the next year in the war in 44, you start getting the like the reports of the Foo Fighters, like those glowing orbs and stuff and like the dog fights. And then a few years later that you get Roswell. So it's like if this was all part of the same type of like ET presence, this was like the first encounter. The military was like, oh, this is, we don't know what this is. That was like the first start. And then they slowly, you know, it kind of like slowly followed them through the war. And eventually, if you go with the story at Roswell, they either brought it down with some type of some people say like some type of concentrated frequency disrupts their flight or it malfunctioned and it crashed. And then we did recover like an, like an ET spacecraft. It's kind of, right. it kind of, this kind of seems like the first, the start of this, like the whole sequence of events of that time in my mind. Yeah, we could have been, we could have just been a little bit developing a little bit faster than they thought, than we thought we were. I think that kind of makes sense because then they just didn't think about that, that they thought we were more primitive than we actually were. Yeah, and they made the big mistake by actually by accidentally dropping the cra- like crashing their craft, and we're like, we fucked up. We gave those hooligans all the technology they'd ever need. <laughs> it's those goddamn monkeys. Now they're building a space force. 
They're coming for us. <laughs> now they're throwing their <laughs> trash on Mars. Yeah. It's this one there is there goes the neighborhood. Like, the videos and stuff are absolutely fascinating, and the, and the accounts and stuff. It's it's a really interesting, really interesting case because it it's met, they reported it in the L.A. Times like that. That picture was in the newspaper. Yeah. Um, like, and it's just not talked about now. They're like, yeah, nah. Yeah, in that great lecture by David Marler, he makes the good point where it's there There has to be other photos of what was happening, but we just don't have them. You know, I don't know whether it's I don't think it's because they were necessarily covered up. I just think that some people had the pictures and just didn't think much of it at the time and just never. And they just kind of got lost because it was just like dumb luck that he found. uh the original of this photo. Yeah. I could, um, I could totally see that because if you were you're like, you're, you're the L- LA times back in 43, everything's kept in paper records. Eventually like you move offices, records get moved, lost, destroyed by accident. You, like, you know, after like 40, 50 years, like to keep those kind of records and like they're, yeah. they're putting out news stories, you know, dozens a day. And this was, this was a big one for the time, but they're like, Oh, well the government's, you know, the government said it's nothing weather balloons. So what's, what's the point of keeping the story? Right. So they might have tossed them out or they just never kept the negatives or something. They just got locked up, you know, just or happened to be lost. Or you go with you go with the grand conspiracy. That these major news publications have been in the pockets of the elite. And they did. They covered it up. It's got rid of it. They're like, no, that's the we can't let them, anyone know about these UFOs. You go down a whole rabbit hole that way, though. But I think. I think this is the one of the first times we've all agreed, like, this one was something. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, it's so- oh, yeah. It was something. It's something. It's totally weird. And it's it sucks we don't have more information. And there's not a lot. Most of the most of the eyewitnesses are deceased um, at this point, And you don't have any real reliable information that you can get about this there's no there's just the the memos and the things like that there's no nothing was recovered you know it's just a bummer you just have to get that one picture but even that one picture gives you something and you have the eyewitness reports and you have the radar stuff i think it's the best evidence for something was there it's got to be especially with the picture even though the picture's like been the contrast has been changed you can definitely see like they're fixating on something and it just, man, it, it's so cool. <laughs> aliens. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> oh, hundred percent, hundred percent aliens. Um, all That's right. Cool. Well, we've pretty much gone into our, our time on that one. It's really good. If you haven't checked it out or if you've for some reason been living under a rock, you've never heard of it. Go watch some documentaries on it. Um, we talked about that. Don't, one. Watch, that, don't watch that movie. Battle of Los Angeles. Oh. It sucks. No, it sucks. Um, I'll put, I'll post all the, I'll post the links we talked about in the notes of the episode. So on your podcast player, just scroll down you'll see them. Um, let's get to some podcast reviews, five-star reviews, new reviews, better than a duck build. Yowie <laughs> five-star review. That's awesome. That's duck really good. Yowie. <laughs> from That's a great review. El Nobby from Australia. Yeah. Good day from Oz. These guys rock. This thing once is awesome. Then getting meat draw drunk and listening again <laughs> is even better. When's the Australian drinking tour? P.S. Life finds a way. 
I was that was my best Aussie accent. How was it? Yeah, it's pretty good. You can you pass. You you can no, judge Braden's accent on your own time. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Pure ear candy. Five star from one Y seven from UK. Awesome. I look forward to listening to these guys each week. By far the best conspiracy podcast available. Oh yeah. That's uh nice. that's all I got for uh new five star reviews. Yeah, that's all we got. But we do have some new Patreon supporters. Yeah. Nolan Hansen. My boy Cody. Tim. Jacket Rice. Connor Wright. Oh, sometimes it does this weird thing where it like repeats everyone. Alex Van Slyke. <laughs> Justin Leach. And I think I've done all these other ones. Sounds about right. So thanks, guys. Make our dreams come true. Uh, it all helps. We've got tons of content. We've got tons of content in the bank. Tons of stuff coming to you guys. We got so much content that I can't keep up. I can't keep up editing. These guys are machines. It's a good problem. It's a good problem to have. That's what happens when you got the gruesome twosome running wild (laughs) on weeknights and Saturday mornings. (laughs) Cartoons and conspiracies. (laughs) All right. If you you like what we do, um, get on Patreon. We, We almost have... Uh, entire another podcast on our Patreon feed. ATT Confidential. It's just stuff just for Patreon listeners. Get on there. Why yeah, we got give it a try? Extra stuff. We got our Discord server up. If you're a Patreon, you can hop into our Discord server, chat with other fans and stuff. People seem to like to do that. I like. Yeah, it's like been that. fun. I like going on there cool. every now and then. I got ep- episode one of Chronic Conspiracies dropping on Patreon pretty soon. Where oh, the, I, I make ru- a. You make a surprise appearance, but the rule is you pretty much have to get really stoned before before you record. <laughs> so the topics the topics go endless and in all oh, directions, like and that. they don't make any sense. But it's fun. Well, you let you let me know if it's fun to listen to. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, anything else we got to plug? Yeah. Oh, Zell's prolapse of the week. Prolapse of the week. This guy KJ 6 from Patreon. Bought us a round of beers. More than a round. I'm not going to tell the amount, but more than needed. So for that, we'll be having six rounds each. Oh, of, thanks. Of, of thanks, two, two dollar tall cans on the strip in Vegas. Woo! Nice. Yeah. Even though we have already got back from Vegas while you're listening to this, but yeah, you get the point. And we will do a special dance for you on our Instagram <laughs> to our Vegas official theme song we've just picked out. Damn right. Yep. All right, and I got. Last thing, new track of the week. This is from a band called The Linden Method, L-I-N-D-E-N. It's called Desensitivity, and it's a sweet like rock, punk rock track. And you can find them on Spotify to search for The Linden Method. I'm going to plug it in here at the end of the episode. So if you All want right. if you want to have your song featured on Alien Theorist Theorizing, email us, alientheorist at gmail.com. Send me a link, or a, a link, a download link, or a mp3 file wave file whatever you can doesn't matter we'll put it in there that's it for me all right well as we always say at the end of these things keep those eyes on the skies there's a